Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the True Condos Podcast. Special welcome if this is your first time listening to the show. I'm your host, Andrew LaFleur. I'm a realtor and I specialize in helping people to make money by investing in the Toronto condo market. And I'm also a condo investor myself. This podcast is a chance for you to listen and to hear from experts and industry insiders about what's really going on in the condo market. And we also like to find out where these insiders are putting their own money when it comes to condo investing. If you like the podcast, please go to truecondos.com and subscribe to get even more great content all about investing in condos in Toronto. And again, thank you so much for everyone who's been listening to the show, supporting the show, um, helping it rank really well in iTunes, especially by leaving your reviews. If you'd like to leave me a review, just open up the iTunes store on your computer, search for the True Condos podcast in iTunes and click to write a review. The reviews really help get the word out about this show and they help more people to find it. So thank you so much for uh, all your ratings and reviews. Now, on today's show, I sat down with Brandon Donnelly. And just sort of like my interview last week with Matt Young, uh, Brandon is a young, hungry, up-and-coming developer in the city. And interestingly enough, also just like Matt Young we talked to last week, Brandon is a very busy guy with side projects and entrepreneurial ambitions outside of his day job, which is working with the Toronto condo developer Taz. For all the show notes on this episode, just go to truecondos.com slash Brandon. And now here it is, my interview with Brandon Donnelly. Great. Well, thank you very much, Brendan, for uh, doing this interview with us today. Appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to just uh, introducing you to my listeners. And um, I think you've got some really cool stuff going on. So I think people are really be interested to hear what um, what you're up to, what you're all about and, and sort of what your take is on on the condo market as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks, so, thanks for the invite. No problem. So uh, why don't we just start by, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're, you're sort of like involved in so many different things uh, from real estate development to startups to, you know, you've got amazing blog going on. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself, like what, who is it that you are and what do you do? Sure, sure. Um, well, I initially got into to real estate development from the architecture world. Uh, I, I, that's what I went to school for. That's what I started studying. I love architecture. So obviously there's a, there's a, a big part of me that's interested in design and, and city, city planning and, and that whole world. Um, so are you an architect by trade? Yeah, I have okay. I did my undergrad in architecture and my master's in architecture as well too, okay. but I've never practiced architecture. Interesting. Okay. So you've done everything, but I've, d- I've done everything, <laughs> but, and, and, and it's basically because as I was going through architecture school, um, you know, I think I, I quickly learned that architects used to be the master builder, and that's what you're that's what you're you're sort of led to believe. But then you realize, in the reality of the world, it's developers and other people that have a lot more say in terms of what gets built a lot of the time in cities. Okay. And and so I became very interested in development. As um, you know, I figured there was sort of two ways. I could either you know become an architect and sort of try to fight the system and figure out how to promote good design that way, or I could just become a developer and use that to promote good design. And um, and, and so obviously I chose, chose the latter. So I became very interested in development 
And, um, and so when I did my master's, I actually did my master's in architecture and real estate development and then went straight into to working for, for developers, first in Ireland for a little bit uh, and then back in Toronto. So I was at Morgard uh, before, before I was at TAS. And, um, and then as I was going through and working in development, I just realized um, how you, know, you sort of see the inefficiencies in, in the industry and as we were talking about before, just how opaque it is relative to tech and other things and other industries. Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit. What do you mm -hmm. mean by the industry is opaque? I just, you know, it's I just think it's really interesting how on the tech side, you've got companies like Buffer, for example, which is a social media management company. And I think they're probably one of, if not the most transparent companies in the entire world. They publish all of their employees' salaries for everybody to see. They actually have a formula for how they pay their salary. So, so, you know, depending on location, there's... And this is not a public company. This is not a public company, but they voluntarily do that. And everything is open internally in terms of how they um, sort of push that content out. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a transparency there, and I think there's a lot of benefits from, from being that transparent. Um, but also just this embracing of new technologies and, and different ways of doing business and, and different ways of marketing yourselves and inbound marketing and all these, these, these changes that that are happening in other industries that I didn't see happening in, in real estate. I think there's, it's, it's, it's in comparison a pretty archaic industry. And so I became very interested in, in how technology could, could improve and, and change the way that the, that business is done on the real estate side. And so when I was working on, on dirt, when I was working on, on, on a, you know, a startup, I didn't actually, you know, some people thought of it as, wow, you're working on a tech startup now, that's really, that's a, bit, that's a bit of a change. I didn't look at it as a change. I looked at it as leveraging technology to improve the real estate industry. So for me, it was, a, it was still a real estate related business. It was still a real estate startup. It was just taking technology and applying that to, to the industry. And I think that that's a trend that's going to happen in a lot of other cases as well. It used to be that, you know, there was Tech startups were, were their own silo, but I think now you're seeing technology being applied to so many existing industries, and from publishing and media and real estate and all of these things. And, and I think that's going to be the, the shift. It's not going to be a silo anymore. Interesting. Uh, so you mentioned Dirt, your website, which no longer exists. Uh, well, it's still up and running. Oh, it's it just, is. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's just we're not uh, we're not working on it. Okay. So, so tell us about Dirt. Some some people might have uh, be familiar with it. You had a big feature article, I think, in the Toronto Star. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It got quite you know got some come some good traction there for a while, but you've I guess stepped away from it. You're not no. working on it yeah, anymore. Yeah, we're, so, not, we're so not. tell what is Dirt and sure. where did it sort of not work out? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for being an early user because I know that you I know that you used it, so I, I appreciate that. And it's and it's when you're starting something new, it's critical yeah. to have. I mean, this. I thought it was a fantastic site, so I'll just jump in here. The site was basically a review site for condo buildings, yeah. where anybody could come on, leave a review. Yeah. Um, either did it, could it be anonymous, or did you have to? Have, yeah, you, it could be. It could be anonymous. You could do anonymous or non-anonymous reviews of condo buildings, both new and resale. Yeah. In Toronto, yeah, um, yeah. So, so we basically we thought of it as as a as a Yelp for for condo buildings, basically, and um, so owners and renters, um, or even past owners and past renters, could go on and leave a review, um, you know, their impression of the building, and then a five star rating of you know how much they would recommend that to to a friend. So, you know, we got a lot of great feedback on that. People, I think, people saw the value in it. 
Um, you know, you, and this, this gets back to the whole transparency piece is that people are making such a big decision. They're going to be buying a condo or moving into a new, a new place and they don't have access to as much information as they probably would like. And I think that's where that the need was. So, and it's interesting because, you know, I was speaking with a realtor a few weeks ago and, you know, he was actually saying how it helped him sell uh, a unit because he, he was representing an owner, he was selling, he was, um, selling his, uh, his, his place, yeah. and he received a lowball offer, and the owner said, no, 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 I don't want to accept that, it's a lowball offer. He, he actually sent him the, a review from, from Dirt, and it basically had a bunch of negative comments about the building, which the owner knew was true, and said, fine, I'll accept it, let's just, let's just sell it, I just want to, I want to get rid of it. Okay. So it's interesting, you know, how, how it, yeah. uh, you know, so this, this agent really, really enjoy, enjoyed the site, but, I think the challenges that we faced were it, we're getting to that critical mass of, of reviews and of information on the site. And so the way that Yelp did it was they really empowered and promoted this close-knit group of people within each city. So they would, develop, they would hire a community manager to basically go out and find the people that are eating out all the time, going to bars, going to restaurants, and love writing reviews about them. So they, ha they managed to scale up by taking a, a you know, sort of concentration of users and getting them to produce lots of content for them. The challenge that we were facing with Dirt is that you had, you know, every single user could only produce so much content for the site. So no matter how enthusiastic you may be about it, you didn't know about all the buildings in Toronto and you weren't going to buildings on a regular basis like you go to restaurants in order to get that information. Mm -hmm. So we really had to, you had to have a higher percentage of people actually contributing and it's, it's much dip more difficult to do that because on most sites you have most people just reading and a very yeah. small portion of people who actually contribute or create any sort of content, right? Right. And isn't there also a problem just that, or did you find this to be true, that um, there's just a positive bias to totally. any of these review sites where it's, it's harder to get the more honest or more negative reviews out of people, especially in real estate where people don't want to leave a negative review of their own building because yeah. obviously it's uh, yeah that was one of the that was one of the criticisms we received and that owners would never leave a negative review for their building and and I and I get that I mean there there were actually people that did um, who who weren't fussed about that but that was one of the criticisms we received and it's it's a valid one but at the same time you know our our bigger picture was always about the data that we could collect um, as a result of of this of these reviews. So for example, when people would say that I'm an owner and a current owner and here's my review or I'm a current renter, then all of a sudden we would know, we'd know that that person lives in the building today um, or this person is an owner or a renter. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that through this process, we could collect all this really interesting data so we could go back to people and say, well, this building is, you know, 33% renters as far as we know. Right. And, and, you know, pull out some of that, those, those stats from it. Yeah. Um, so that was really the big picture and where we wanted to go is, is create a lot more openness around it. Because if you think about it, I mean, if you think of the average condo building, I mean, you have no idea yeah. how many people are owners, how many people are renters, how many investor units, um, what's the demographics of it, what's the average age. You know, you know, all, there's all this information that... Which you would love to know. We'd love to know. But Anyone would love to know, yeah. right? So, you know, that's, we, we were trying to figure out ways to get us to that point where we could collect that information and share it with everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what are you working on now? I know you're, uh, we've talked about a few different things, uh, sort of, what's your day job now? You're here at... Yeah, I'm here, I'm here at TAS. Um, so, so, TAS Design Build. 
Yeah, although we've rebranded, it's just Tass. Just Tass yeah. now, okay. And, and the design build is really the history of the company, which started in the custom home business. Okay. Um, so building, I mean, you know, the company, uh, it's been around since, I guess, the early 80s, built a number of high-end homes in the bridal path and areas like that, and then transitioned over into, into condos. And, and Zed in uh, King and Bathurst was one of the first projects. And then after that, it was Dia, M5E on King Street, and now we're in the process of selling uh, Duke at the Junction and Kingston and Co in the Upper Beaches. So great. And so, what uh, what's your role here, sort of? So I'm, I'm a project manager, development manager, um, um, and uh, you know here full time working. In, it's a, it's a relatively small company still, so we're involved in a lot of different uh, yeah. capacities, but um, but basically overseeing development projects. And you've got your blog. Tell us about your blog as well. Sure, which sure. Is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So the blog is, is called Architect This City, and it's, uh, it's brandondonnelly.com. But what's interesting about it is that the blog actually really came out of Dirt, is that part of, you know, while I was working on Dirt, we started mm -hmm. blogging, or it was, it was really me responsible for that. And it was because we had no money to spend on marketing. So we're figuring, how do we create content and how do we create a natural poll? And you know, yeah. again, inbound marketing and all that. Um, so we started blogging with with dirt, and then when that kind of wound down, I got really into the habit of doing it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. And I said, I'm going to start blogging now on my on my own, and uh, had no idea. You know, all I knew was going to I was going to blog about cities because that sort of right. encapsulates a lot of my interests around design, planning, real estate, etc. And uh, and then it just sort of evolved and snowballed from there. It became architect this city as a as a brand as a name. And, um, and you blog a lot, like, uh, I blog definitely every day. if you're interested in development, if you're interested in cities, if you're interested in real estate, uh, what's happening in Toronto, definitely want to check out this blog, subscribe to it. Um, you've been doing it for, Thanks. I guess a year. You, you blog, I think every single day. Yeah. Every day. Every, five, seven, seven days a week, seven days a week, seven which is amazing. And it's, they're the, short though. They're short, digestible posts. Right. But it's all good stuff. Like it's, there's not, there's not much fluff at all. Really. It's all like every day you put out some great content and some, some really good stuff. So I commend you for that. That's Thank you. as a fellow blogger, I know how hard it is to, to, uh, to put out content like that on a regular basis. Some days um, is really tough. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, uh, what do you want? You've got a pretty big following with this blog now. Like what, where do you want to take it? What, uh, what do you think you want to do with it now? You've been doing it for a year. I'm, you know, I think, you know, when I, when I started, um, I was, I basically said to myself that even if nobody reads it, there'd still be a lot of value in me doing it. It's basically like keeping a public journal. Uh, and I, it's funny because I think back about, you know, grade four and five in English class and how we had, we were forced to keep journals every day. And, right. and I wrote about silly things like, you know, that was the dawn of blogging. That right? was, that, yeah, that grade was for yeah. journaling. That's blogging right there. Yeah. Except then it was, you know, it was talking about how somebody stole my granola bar and, and now I'm talking <laughs> about cities, but, um, but there's a, there's a lot of value, I think in, in, you know, personal value and just writing down your ideas because there's one thing to think about things and there's another thing to actually put it down on paper and sort through and structure your ideas and then doing that publicly there's a whole other layer of value because people can now comment on it engage with it and a lot of times you know I'll put out like I you know I don't I'm not an expert on uh, on all of the things that I write about but I'm interested in a lot of these things and I write about it and I'll, and I and I'm sorting through ideas and then people will come back and comment on it and through that dialogue, then all of a sudden, I sort of able to form a, a better opinion about it, or mm -hmm. or at least better understanding of it. So I think there's a lot of value in in 
in writing things down and doing it publicly. So, you know, that's, that's really, you know, there isn't a lot of sort of other ambitions, just, okay. other just keep doing it. I think there's a lot of indirect benefits. Um, I meet a lot of people as a result of it. People email me all the time saying, you want to grab coffee? I'd love to chat. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably part of, part of the reason you're doing this right now with me sure. is because of, because of that blog. Yeah. So there's a lot of indirect benefit. And, um, you know, at the same time, too, I can talk about projects that I'm working on. You know, mm -hmm. when we, when we uh, launch a new project, I'll obviously blog about it. That drives traffic to, to um, the main site. So yeah. there's a lot of great, great reasons to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so let's, we can talk about so many other things, but I want to talk about the condo market specifically. A uh, question that I like to ask everybody and get your take on it is, do you think there's a condo bubble in Toronto? Where do you see the market um, right now? Where do you see the market going? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, it's amazing how many people think that. I was just at a, a launch event last night for a friend who, who uh, moved, moved offices, I should say. And everyone was asking me about the condo market as soon as they find out that you're in real estate. I think it's, I think it's overblown, though. I think, I think once, you know, interest rates start to creep up, that will create, you know, that'll slow it down a little bit, create some negative pressure on prices. But it's, there's so many kind of fundamentals in place that, can explain what's happening, I think, in the market. I mean, every developer, I mean, obviously it's self-serving, but they always talk about immigration rates to the region and how that's driving things. But I think the other, the, there's, you know, the other pieces are just that um, there's demographic changes going on. People are delaying um, having families, start having kids, moving to the suburbs, that whole piece. There's a shift in consumer preference towards urban living, downtown living. People don't want to commute. Um, they're willing to put, you know, put up with smaller places in exchange for you know, urban amenities and, and less driving and all of those types of pieces. The policies, all the, pol the policy framework promotes intensification and this type of development. The Greenbelt restricts sprawl. There's all of these, these factors at play that are encouraging and acting as a catalyst for, for this type of development that we're seeing. So I, I don't think it's, it's as, as, um, as crazy as everyone makes it out to, to seem. Uh, and are you a condo investor yourself? I, I you know, I, I've, I invest personally in condos and low-rise homes. So I've, I, uh, you know, both sides. Okay. In so. terms of condos, what, what have you bought or what are you buying or what are you looking at? Or um, I mean, I just bought a new place for myself about a year now, almost two years ago now. Um, but Care my, to share the building? Yeah. Well, I live in the Market Wharf building in the St. Okay. Lawrence. Yeah, market Wharf. Yeah. Right, yep. One market. And um, it's a great building. Um, and, you know, sort of, I mean, people always ask me advice on investing in condos. My recommendation is always to try to find something that's unique about it, something that's, that's kind of defensible is, is, you know, the term I use. You know, if it's got a, you know, something unique, a waterfront view or a great terrace or it's a hard loft or anything that's unique about it, I think is always great, especially when there's a lot of supply coming on the market. So. I think you you know you sort of have to find those those uh, those really unique properties. That's great. Um, and so and so in my case, there's there's a big terrace, and that was sort of the selling point for me. <laughs> nice, love it, love a good terrace. Let's talk about uh, one of the buildings that you mentioned, um, Kingston and Co. Mm -hmm. um, the marketing campaign that you guys are doing is pretty unique, and I think it's awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the marketing? and how that idea sort of came about and what, what's the strategy behind that? Sure. 
So when we initially maybe tell us about the building first, for people who aren't familiar. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So it's it's a it's a mid-rise building going up in the upper beaches on Kingston Road uh, in an area that's technically called. I mean, it's kind of straddling two areas: Kingston Road Village and Birchcliff Village. Um, so it's Kingston Road and Victoria Park on the site of the old Alpine Hotel that used to be used to be there. So it's a mid-rise building. It's eight stories. It steps up to ten on the the west side. It, um, it's got terraces that slope down all along the north side, so the 45-degree angular plane that's part of those, the mid-rise guidelines. Um, Teeple Architects is, uh, is a designer for it, and um, they've done some really great things with the facade, sort of th these kind of articulations along, along the south facade to catch light and create shadows and all of these types of things. Um, all the units have outdoor space, so that was a big part of, uh, that was one of the, the sort of key mandates that we set. Um, the terraces are also going to be equipped with harvest planters, so residents can plant, you know, fruits, vegetables, herbs, whatever they they like, which is really part of the a whole part of the, the task corporate philosophy. There's actually an urban agriculture installation on the top of this building right oh, wow. now, and uh, so you know we have lunches and we pull from we pull from the rooftop. So that's that's really part of um, you know the, the the philosophy of TAS. Okay. And um, and as one of the amenity spaces, a rooftop. Um, Rooftop space, which will have planting beds as well too, that people can people can use, um, outdoor space, barbecues, and and uh, and so on. So it's a really interesting building. And um, when we when we launched uh, initially, we started with this this Q and A campaign basically. Mm -hmm. and, and what we did is we we picked some of the questions that we thought are on everybody's mind, like what you just asked me about the condo. Is there a condo bubble? So we we picked these these questions that. We, we thought we were on everyone's minds and we wanted to answer them directly and then allow anybody else from, you know, anybody, anyone in the public to then respond as well too. So create a conversation, a dialogue around, around these topics. And, and it really gets back to trying to create transparency and openness in the market. And so which is what we started talking about today, which is sort of what your whole passion and, and what you're all about in the real estate industry is, it, it, is yeah, exactly. bringing that transparency to an industry that's really lacked it. Um, forever yeah yeah <laughs> so you're you're you got the website and everything you're you're just you're taking questions or you're you're answering common questions and you're actually opening it up to anybody to add to that or to disagree with you or to say oh you're full of it you're a developer you're just yeah feeding us lies or something like that like stuff like that um versus i guess the traditional approach which a lot of people perceive developers to have is quite different it's uh hold on to that information, don't tell people about, you know, what the closing costs are going to be or, or um, you know, any issues they might encounter that they didn't realize and things like that that, are, that come with buying a condo. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the natural response often with, with developers, and I think this also ties into things like, um, you know, uh, community consultations, is, is to just pull back and, and withhold information and let's hope that we can just kind of get by and nobody really notices what's, what's going on. And obviously in this, in this case, our approach was to be much more open and much more transparent around it and really have uh, you know, discussion with people and be, and be authentic about it. So um, you know, that, was, that was the approach. And it's obviously something that I believe in, but it was also something that the company and the owners believed in as well too, so. That's awesome, yeah. I mean, I hope that uh, more developers, especially the big boys really, uh, take note of what you guys are doing and I hope it catches on as a bigger trend in the industry as well. It's obviously something that I'm doing with this podcast and with yep. 
my blogging and all my uh, marketing that I do with my clients is all about just educating people on the market, educating people on the process of buying and investing in condos so that, um, you know, an, an educated buyer is, is you know, is, is the ultimate goal so that everybody knows uh, can make, the more knowledge you have, the better decisions you can make, right? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Great. Um, well, this has been a, this has been a really great conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add? A, a question I like to ask, is there any, is there a question that nobody has asked you yet about yourself or about the real estate market or about what you're doing that you, but you, that you wish that somebody would ask you? Well, I think, I think I'm pretty open about, uh, you know, all the things that are on my mind with on my blog. But one of the things that I've actually been really interested lately, I don't, have you heard of a, a company called opendoor.com out of California? You may have read it on my, on my blog. I think, yeah, I think it sounds familiar from your blog. Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm really interested in seeing what these guys do. And uh, I was talking about it with a few people last night as well too, but um, they're, they're out of California. They've raised uh, about $10 million of, of funding already and they haven't even launched their product yet. And um, the way that it's basically going to work is that homeowners will go on to this, this platform, which is, you know, will start as a web app, I think, but they'll go on, they'll add their home. The site will immediately provide a valuation for that home. It's worth X, as well as an offer to buy it and close within three days. So it's instant liquidity for homeowners, okay. and they're actually launching in markets where there isn't a lot of liquidity. So they're not launching in San Francisco. They're going to you know, the Midwest in the middle of the US where it's, a lot, it's, it's slower to sell a home. It takes longer. <laughs> And so they're going to be offering that that instant liquidity. That's pretty much all everyone knows about the product, and they're trying to remain fairly stealth about it. Um, but I have reached out to to some of the founders. I'm just curious to see how you know what what they're up to and how they're developing. But I think things like that are really interesting, and it, and I think the idea could potentially be very disruptive to the way the market works. And I think going back to what you were just saying about transparency and openness, I think that. A lot of the times what happens in markets is not the incumbents that, that make all the changes, it's the new guys that come in and, and really change the way that, that the market's been done and that forces the incumbents to really adapt to it. So I think that you know, while I think we're trying to do our part uh, and bring more openness and transparency, I think it's important to look for some of those new startups that are coming up that, that could potentially have a huge impact on the way that, that we, do, we do business. That's great. Well, again, thank you, Brandon, for your time. And if people want to find you, again, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? BrandonDonnelly.com. BrandonDonnelly.com. Great. Yep. And check, we'll, we'll definitely leave a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Um, so great. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brandon Donnelly. Brandon's a really sharp cat. I think you could tell from the interview. And I like how he's working to tackle the problems in our industry namely the perpetual lack of transparency in the development industry. So I really think, and I've been saying this all along, we need more of this. And it's like he said, it's the small guys in any industry who tend to be the ones who start any big change like this. It's unlikely to be any of the big developers to, um, to really want to shake things up. But small guys um, like Brandon and others can really make big changes in the business. So I hope that he continues to work with that end. I founded True Condos in this podcast with really the same idea, to lift the veil 
off of the industry and to give condo investors the straight goods. When people have access to more information and data, they make better decisions. Pure and simple, you make better decisions when you have more information. So uh, I want to see more of that, and, and I hope you're enjoying these podcasts, and I hope you're enjoying all my, my blog posts. And uh, for those of you who are subscribers, I hope you're enjoying all the emails and the information that I'm sending you each week via email. So once again, for all the show notes on the show, head on over to truecondos.com slash Brandon for all the links and everything on the things we talked about. And if you like the show, please leave me a review on iTunes. They are greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.